We'll be continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 today. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Well, good morning. I believe one of the things that we experience in American Christian culture and in the church is that our spiritual eyes have cataracts. We don't see clearly all that's going on around us. Many of us have, have no view of what's happening in, in the spiritual world that surrounds us. The truth is, as followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we need to recognize is that we are at war. We are under attack. We're under attack from the world, the worldly system, the thinking of the world. We're under attack from this uh, sinful flesh of ours that wants to do what it wants to do. And we're under attack from the enemy himself, Satan, who would just love to destroy our lives and separate us away from God. We are under attack. This picture behind me is a picture that showed up after the Pope was doing his Sunday prayers at the Vatican. Tens of thousands were gathered in the square and praying together. And there was two school children, and they had just finished saying a prayer over Ukraine. This was about three weeks ago. At the time, uh, there had been three or four that were murdered uh, in the Ukraine that were killed. And so the little school children released these peace doves and a prayer for Ukraine. And as soon as the dove was released, it was hit hard by this raven, by this crow. And it attacked. And I think it's a strong picture of what happens in this world today and as followers of Jesus Christ and as those who reflect the peace of God to a world who needs his peace. As soon as we're released, we're under attack. And so the question for us this morning is how do we respond? How do we respond when we're under attack? Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you would reveal to us through the power of your Holy Spirit Reveal to us how to uh, respond to those who come against us, whether it's the world or our own flesh, the enemy himself. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give us strength to, to respond and to act. 
And, and make us aware, Lord, that we are at battle. And so prepare us for the battle, I pray. And we thank you. We thank you that the truth is that we have victory in this battle. That you have ultimate victory. And because we have life in you, we have resurrection life. And we are victorious with you. But help us in the meantime, while we're here on this planet, help us to have your strength to keep moving ahead. In your precious name, amen. The Apostle Paul was under incredible attack. And it's interesting about Paul. Here's Paul who, who would travel the roads to find Christians and it'll wipe them out. He hated Christianity, wanted nothing to do with it, hated it so much that let's get a bunch of people together and let's kill the Christians. And so he would attack those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And then God attacked his soul with the love of God broke through that hard heart and he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. And the minute he did that, the one who was the accuser, the attacker, became the one who was attacked. And his whole life, as he was presenting the gospel of Jesus, he came under the strong attack. As the peace dove was released, right away the enemy went after him. As he preached the gospel, they came against him. As he tried to leave the church in Corinth, and all the churches that he started, the enemies came against him. His character was often under question. False accusations were made against him, lies to defeat and to discourage him. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, you ever been falsely accused? You ever had someone who took your words and then they, they just totally turned them around? And next thing you know, you know, you become an enemy. Next thing you know, you're, you're in, a, in a battle. You're like, what did I just say? I, I don't know what just happened. We're under attack. Spiritual attack and our, our sinfulness that's working on. Feel like people totally missed your heart and you end up under attack. A lot of times we feel like a college football coach who has a losing team. You ever, watch the, you ever watch the sports casting on that? Every step that that losing football coach takes is under scrutiny. Every step that they take is evaluated and reviewed and basically under attack. And this was Paul. He was a losing football coach, it felt like. Everything that he did was, was facing challenge. And Paul's getting hammered in all areas, but the thing that's beautiful about chapter 10 of of 2 Corinthians is that he is going to show us how he responded to those who were going against him, to the attacks of this world and to the attacks of the enemy. And he does it in, in, a, in an amazing Christ-like manner that I think has a lot to teach us. Look at verse 1. And, and Paul has, Jackson's taken us through the last three weeks, uh, Paul has been dealing with the Corinthian church on and challenging them, hey, keep, keep your promises about what you said you were going to do in, in giving to the church, especially the church at Jerusalem. And, and let us hold on to trusting God and let's have generous hearts. This is who God has made you to be. And so he's challenging them in those areas, and, and pretty strongly, actually, to, to give like they said they were going to. 
And now he continues on to encourage them and to strengthen them and to respond to the church in areas where, again, they were being taken other directions by these super apostles that were saying things contrary to Paul. And so he responds to them because he's getting word that, uh, he's getting word that people think he's, he's being a little bit too harsh. So he says, By the meekness and by the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold, went away. That statement is, people are saying, I'm writing these letters and they're really, really strong. You're saying they're really strong. And then basically, uh, when I come face to face, I'm a wimp, is what people are saying. You're nothing, you're nothing compared to your letters. And it's just weakness. It's weakness. You've got to understand in Corinth, the Greek culture, remember? So much about wisdom and so much about how you looked and the power plays that were going on. And the different teachers that were coming through, the false teachers that were coming through, were saying all of these ways that Paul is behaving as an apostle, that's, he's not really an apostle. He's, a, he's weak. He's not, he's not like one of us, super apostles, who've got it all together, so eloquent, as you can imagine, so good-looking. I mean, it really was. It was a beauty culture, a culture that everything was of the flesh. And they looked to that, that this must be life in Christ, all this power that came from the flesh. Paul was so contrary to that. Chapter 10 continues in that theme of everything that that we've been getting to, that we live life in the new covenant. It's this new relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all because Christ died on the cross for our sin and rose again, and as we believed upon him, we would have new life. And our only adequacy is from Christ alone. It's not from us. And so we have strength in our weakness. We, we have the all-surpassing power of God through these broken jars of clay. All of, all of Paul's teaching is so contrary to what the world says is how you have success and power and life. And he continues in that theme. How do you fight battles? What do you do when you're under attack? It's going to be life in the new covenant. I do it in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. It's a, it's a wonderful shepherd. Paul doesn't want to come and kick their butts. He doesn't. I mean, what shepherd wants to do that? A harsh one, one who lives in the flesh. But you can understand, his heart, his heart is of Christ. I want to draw you closer to Christ. A true shepherd cares about the sheep. Remember Jesus say, there's a sheep that's lost. You'll go after that one sheep because you care about that sheep. That's Paul's heart. And so he reminds them, I come in with the meekness. And again, when we hear that word meekness, we think, oh, that's, that's weak. That's weak. And all the false teachers in Corinth were, yeah, he's weak. Saying, I come in with the meekness. Meekness is a, is a powerful term. It's, it has the idea of, of having incredible strength yet being under control. And with gentleness of Christ, I come and I approach you about these things. You, you ever have a, a big uh, dog, maybe a German shepherd? Here's the deal. You have a German shepherd... Somebody comes into your house, an intruder. That German shepherd will go after that intruder with all of its strength and power. But do you ever watch that same German shepherd with the family? 
and the little kids are riding it like a horse and they're pulling on its tail and they're stepping in its water bowl and they're yelling in its ear and the dog just loves them up. It has incredible strength to tear them apart because powerful dog, but yet it holds back that strength and just loves them up. That's what Paul's saying. I have the authority because of Christ, but I come to you and I approach you about life in Christ and what it means to live in the new covenant. I do that with gentleness. I do that with the love of a shepherd. I'm not here to come and wipe you out and and lay down on you. Yeah, there's some things that I have to speak harshly about because there's some false teaching going on in the church. I have to speak strongly against that because you are going to be led astray. In verse 6, he says that there's going to be some consequence for disobedience. I will speak against that. And if I have to, I will speak against I don't want to. It's not my heart for you. I want to bring truth and I want to bring life. And so Paul brings it in. Yeah, people say I'm strong in word, but I'm a wimp in person. I'm at battle. I knew it. I knew as soon as I was sent out, here comes the enemy to attack me. And the false teachers are attacking me all over the place. And so he says, we're at battle when we present the gospel. We are at battle, dear saints, together as we, as we try to grow our relationship in Christ. We're at battle. And we are at battle as we personally grow in Jesus Christ. The war is going on. And so Paul is going to say, listen, we, we are facing this and we can't go into, into battle as everybody else goes into battle. These things are of a spiritual nature. You can't help but think of, of this chapter and, and go to Ephesians uh, 6, which is the great chapter on facing spiritual battle. Just a reminder. Ephesians 6 says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all that you can to stand firm. Paul says, there's those who are bad-mouthing me, those who misunderstand me, those who are coming against me, those who are distorting the gospel. They're saying, that I am self-serving and I'm not a true apostle. If necessary, I'll stand against them. But I will not battle. I will not go into this fight how they might expect. I'm not going to wage war as they do. Look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh or according to the world and how they wage war. He said, yeah, you know what, we do. We live in this flesh, literal flesh. We live in this sinful nature. And it's a mess. Paul knows he doesn't do everything right. But he doesn't live his life according to or in obedience to the flesh. I don't wage war like that. I'm not under that authority. I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm not led or moved according to my flesh. You see, the world is... Let me, let me ask this. How, how does the world, those who have no relationship with Christ, those who live under this worldly system, how does the world respond when they are attacked? Attack back. Attack back. 
Were any of you cut off this morning on the way to church? And you told that person, hey, you're number one. I'm amazed my flesh how it riles up when people cut me off. I mean, it's quick, right? And you guys know that. Come on, you're sinners like me. But we do, we want right away to attack back. You say, I'm not going to do that. That's not my new life in Christ, and that's not the way that Christ faces into these battles. I'm not going to come with manipulation or deceit to get things my own way. I'm not going to defend my apostolic authority using these terms. I'm not going to pressure or blame. The world attacks back with with full-on force, demonstrations that result in raised voices and, and clenched fists. And you know what? We're seeing those vivid images in the Ukraine right now of exactly what that looks like. It's just fire. And everything is destroyed in the wake of it, on both sides. You see, when we attack back like the world attacks back, everything's destroyed. You are destroyed. Your soul. I don't do that. Because God has given me another way to respond. Verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments or reasonings and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive in obedience to Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. The thing that distinguishes Paul's weapons versus the weapons of the world is all in one word. Power. Spiritual power. It has the, it has the root word in the Greek of dynamite. God has given us weapons to fight, but not in the way that the world does. To enter into the battle with the power of God in a new covenant life where, where strength comes out of our weakness, where, where meekness is good and can change hearts. And the one thing I want to encourage you in is that when you are attacked, when things are coming against you, don't back out of the battle. Don't back out of the battle. Jack Handy, if you're a Saturday Night Live buff, Jack Handy used to have these deep thoughts by Jack Handy, and they were all these random statements, really bizarre. But he wrote this book called Fuzzy Memories. And in Fuzzy Memories, he says, when I was a little guy, and I go to school every day in New York City, uh, there was a bully at my school, and he would demand my lunch money every day. Every day. And so I decided... Jack Handy says, I decided I'm going to fight back. And so he started to take karate lessons. And so he started to meet with his karate instructor, and he was learning some things. But at his karate class, the karate instructor wanted $5 a lesson. So Jack Handy, as he's kind of doing the math, he decides, you know what? It's cheaper to pay the bully. (laughs) He backed out of the battle. And he paid the bully. said, I'm not going to win this fight. God has given us spiritual power. It doesn't look anything like the world's way of attacking back. But to face in those things that come against us, to respond in in meekness and gentleness of Christ, to respond in love. What are some of the ways that we can respond when we are under attack? The thing that's that's amazing in this is he says, "We we have this power in Christ 
to destroy strongholds, strongholds of error. We can face this battle. Let me show you a picture of a stronghold. And this is the image that, that Paul is really speaking about. It's, it's a military term. It's, it's, a, it's a castle with towers and turrets and powerful. For all, for all of you Lord of the Rings, it's Helm's Deep, you know. It's that powerful image. How are you going to break this? There's no way. You've got to climb up that, and then all of a sudden you've got to face all these arrows and things that are coming against you. Paul says, as I'm facing attack of, of the world and of my flesh and of the enemy, because of the power of Christ, we can, we can break strongholds. We can break this castle down. It's, it's the picture of Jericho going down. We can face these strongholds. And he speaks to some of these strongholds that are going on. In our lives, we can come against this battle. What's stronghold number one? First, he says, there's the speculations, there's the philosophies that rationalize away the knowledge of God. That is that people are saying, there is no God, and prove it. And he doesn't make any sense, and if God really loved me, then he wouldn't let this happen in my life. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. In, in the Corinthian church and all the false teachings, if you remember, there was teaching about, hey, there's no resurrection. Let's, let's reason that away. There's all these reasoning against Paul's arguments for Christ and all that Christ has done, and they're challenging all of that, and they're, they're coming up, and basically they relied on all the power of the flesh. I am sophist. I am wise. I have authority. Everybody emulates those who have wisdom. It's not about what Christ is doing in my life. And it's a, it's a pride thing. I have it under control. All these reasonings against God. And you know it happens still powerfully today. That as people come against us with reasons that God doesn't exist and that he's nowhere in life, I think Paul wants us to enter into the battle because we can defeat those strongholds. Let me show you a little clip. This is from a movie that's coming out called God's Not Dead. Jesus is tough. I'm a little disappointed. It's the acceptance of this challenge. 
maybe the only meaningful exposure to God and Jesus that I would have. But to me, it's not that I don't want anyone to get talked out of believing in it just because the professor thinks they should. Mr. Weep, are you ready? We're going to put God on trial. You think you're smarter than me in that classroom? There is a God behind him. This experiment is over. You get to decide who the most important person in your life is. Me, Professor Robinson. I have to do this thing. It's like something that God wants me to do. I, I can't just turn away from it. You just want to ensnare them in your primitive superstition. Well, I want it's for them to make their own choice. That's what God wants. You have no idea how much I'm going to enjoy failing you. Yeah, but who are you really looking to save? Me? Or God? This movie is coming out in a few weeks. And actually, you know, I need your help as a church. One of the things that we looked up as we looked up where this movie was playing, it's only playing in Coeur d'Alene. And I'm like, why is that? So seriously, I want your help in trying to figure out how we bring it to Boise. It's going to be a powerful movie, and I think it's going to deal with these strongholds and really respond to these questions people have about God and who he is. There are so many who try to reason away God. And yes, our college students do face that question all the time. And in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, we can respond back and we can break down those strongholds. And we can reveal the love of Jesus Christ. Because we have the power of God to help us do that. Colossians 2.8 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy through empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ Jesus. How do we battle against these strongholds? These are powerful. How do we respond to attack? God says we can have victory in these things. We can walk around Jericho and it will crumble. And the way that we do that, I think, is in several areas. And Ephesians 6 speaks to this as well. But truth, the Word of God that we have as our source, the Word of God that speaks everything about the heart of God for us and humanity and is the ultimate foundation of truth. Jesus in the desert with the enemy and every attack from the enemy was responded to with truth. And not only truth, but but truth and love. Truth and love. We're facing all of these attacks, all these reasonings. But it's not just laying the truth and coming with this strong sword and just wiping people out. You know, we, we face a whole culture today that is saying, uh, let us define marriage and what marriage looks like in today's culture. And so that's an affront to God's initial intent. So how do we respond with truth? Let us share with you what, what God intended for marriage and how he began in the very beginning. And let us demonstrate by our own marriages what, what true marriage looks like. And we're not going to come and bash you for your thinking, but we want to demonstrate through the, through the power of God what marriage looks like. We battle attack with truth, and truth and love especially. We're not going to go blow up abortion clinics we, we can face the battle, we can face the battle with, 
with incredible faith in God. Faith says that we remain committed to the truth, even if it looks like the truth is failing. Do you ever feel like sometimes you're losing the battle? But faith draws us to that place. It's a recognition that God is present in history. Faith is a recognition that God has not left us alone. Faith is a recognition that God's hand is in the middle of this battle that we face. We do not journey as followers of Jesus Christ on our own. We've given the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us truth, to give us life, but also to help us to know how to face the battles. We're not going to pay the bully. We're going to dive in with the love of Christ, with gentleness and meekness. But we will face that. How do we break the strongholds? We break the stronghold by loving our enemies, doing good to others. That's one of the most powerful, isn't it? When you're kind to someone who hasn't been kind to you, it's amazing how it changes their heart. It takes time, but you still show kindness when they've been cruel. Scripture says, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despise you. And so we enter into the battle, especially those battles where we're reasoning against God with truth and with faith, with prayer. God, come in the middle of this. We call upon you. Father, all throughout the Scriptures, your saints have prayed and you've responded to their prayer. And so we kneel before you because we only have strength and our only adequacy comes from you. And so, God, you need to do your work here because I can't do it in my flesh. And so we face the battle. The second stronghold is more of an internal stronghold. It's a, it's a battle for our thoughts. He says, we are taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Every thought is coming, and as it comes into our mind, we're saying, Christ, take this thought so that it's righteous. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things, and, and Paul's, dealing with, Paul's dealing specifically with those in, in the Corinthian church, and those teachers especially, who are, who are bringing the Corinthians, these young in their faith, into, into worldly thinking about Christianity, and about what it means to live a new covenant. And, and, he, and he's taking and saying, we capture these thoughts. There's a lot of thoughts about, oh, you know what? Paul really is weak. He really doesn't have authority. And he's saying, we take all of, this, all of these attacks that are coming and we bring them to Christ Jesus. One of the ways that we can control our flesh, our actions whether it be lust or gossip or coveting, addiction, is that we capture in our mind the thoughts that enter in. James 14, or 1, uh, chapter 14, verse 14 says, Each one is tempted when he's carried away, when he's enticed by his own lusts. And then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, then it brings forth death. It's all of a sudden these, these thoughts come in to our minds and we actually let them take root as, as though we have no power to deal with our thought life. Some of us have, have resolved that that's the case. I, I just get bombarded with all these thoughts. There's nothing I can do about it. That's just not true. Christ has given us the power to break these strongholds 
He says, I want you to take, basically it's a, it's a, it's a war term, I want you to take prisoner. I want you to take that thought as a prisoner of war and a captive. You can have victory over that thought that you take it to Christ and His power. We have, he says, remember, we don't wage war like the world does. We wage war with the power of God. And it will break these strongholds. We can have victory here. For those of you who feel like you can never get out of this addiction or something that's just wrapping in your mind, he's saying that's not the case. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will help you to break that stronghold. When attack comes in, Take it a prisoner of war, as soldiers, and, and march in victory. Ephesians 6, remember, stand firm with the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, ready to go. Take up the shield of faith that can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in all times in the Spirit with all power, with all prayer and supplication unto Jesus. And so we go into battle. We're not paying the bully. We do not attack back the way that the world does. We don't fight war as the rest of the world does. How do we respond when we're under attack? And in this case, these internal thoughts that are coming in with the truth of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with prayer. You know, I was thinking, um, what are some of the thoughts that, that really have gotten a hold of us? Here's a few. I'm of no value. I'm of no value. I'm a loser. What do I bring to life? And God says, oh, dear child, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's one thought as I work with the marriage ministry. This, this thought comes out a lot. Did I marry the right person? Boy, take that to Christ and let him just crush that stronghold. That's one of the biggest lies of the enemy. For what God has joined together. By the way, in case you forgot, God joined you together. It's no mistake. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Did you marry the right person? Absolutely. Not only did you marry the right person, you're becoming the right person through the power of Christ. Capture that thought. God couldn't love a person like me with such a past. And he says, oh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of it's pride. I have it all under control. Or I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. I say, God, here, I, I, I am, I feel like I've got it all together. Take that thought. Because I know you want me to be humble. And then like the garden the thought that often comes, did God really say that? Did he really? And let him bring you to truth. Yeah, this is what God really said about life and about how you can have life. So we take every thought, and like Romans 12 says, we are no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And that means that's possible in Christ Jesus and that we can't have victory in this area. Don't be conformed to the way the world does things and as you face attack, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Dear saints, we are at war and we go into war not the way that the world does, 
We respond to attack in a way that Christ will be glorified with the gentleness and with the meekness of Christ our Lord and with the confidence that we will have victory in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the truth of your word and I thank you for the fact that you give us your power to face attack and that you don't want us to back away. And Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you will have victory in these dear saints' lives, that you will, through your power of your Holy Spirit, uh, invade their minds, capture those thoughts as they turn them over to you. Give them victory over addiction. Give them victory over thoughts that are against one another. And give us your heart, Father. Help us to face the battle, the the many battles of the world and the flesh and of, of, of the enemy. And we thank you again that you are victorious over sin and death and we have life in you. And so, Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives to you this morning in your precious name. Amen.